It's time to enter the dojo. Welcome to Snake Eyes, a Cobra Kai gaming dojo podcast. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode three. I'm your host, Jeff. Tonight with me, I have Ryan. What's up, guys? JT. What's going on, guys? And I'd like to introduce a new uh, host tonight, and his name is Woody. Hey there, everybody. Hey, Woody. What's going on, Woody? Oh, it's going. Awesome. I want to take a couple seconds here to tell you a little bit what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, first, we're going to go over an introduction to Woody to get get to know him a little bit. Uh, he's been in the hobby for quite a while. It should be it's some interesting stuff he has to share with us. Then we're going to go on to our What's Cooking segment, talk about what we're up to. Then after that, we'll go over some news and rumors and echoes of the warp. And then we're going to follow that up with a couple of segments on preparing for tournament play and breaking down a proposed tournament list. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, I want to take a couple minutes here and introduce you to Woody. Woody is a member of our game gaming group. We've been gaming with him for many, many years. Uh, Woody's a, a young man that I met back when he was probably about 10 years old. A little squirt hanging out the local gaming store. I got to chatting with his dad, and I ended up driving Woody home from the game stores about every Friday night after we get done gaming. So, Woody, welcome to the audience. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, Woody? Uh, what do you do? What's your age? Etc. cetera. Uh, well, I turned 30 this year, so... Welcome. I, yeah. You know, look at the young pup, man. I remember when you were 13. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, uh, that was pretty big deal this year. And then uh, I'm a business systems manager. Uh, so ultimately, like a rules systems lawyer for an automotive supplier. Oh, awesome. Are you a rules lawyer on the table? No, I find that I do it in uh, a profession, so this is like my way to step away from that. Okay. But it definitely prepared me for that. You know, it's pretty interesting, you know, you being only, only, only 30 years old. But what's interesting about you being 30 years old is that you're really a 20-year veteran to tabletop games. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I've been gaming longer than half my life, and that's, uh, been a huge part of growing up and learning new people, how to meet people. It's been a big part of my life for sure. Yeah. So I got a question <clears throat> for you. So I was walking around today thinking about this. You know, and you're definitely from a, a different generation than I am. I think you would fall into that millennial description. And many of the millennials that we know out there are big into video games and what has attracted you to tabletop gaming over being a video game player? Well, I think it's a couple factors, actually, um, from a tabletop standpoint. Um, I think growing up, I always had older friends anyways, obviously. Um, meeting you at around 10 years old <laughs> kind of had an impact to that. But I think that uh, tabletop games, it's that interaction that you get from the opponent directly. Um, you're, you're making a social contract that for the next couple hours... You're going to share in this experience, whether it's going to go good for you, go bad for you. Um, and then all the hours that you can put into something. It, it, I'd like to equate it to uh, almost a sport, if you will, 
because I'm spending time building the models. I'm spending time painting the miniatures. I'm, I'm doing a lot of research. I'm trying to get better at this thing. I'm building a skill uh, and trying to get better at it. So I can truly see that repeat itself year over year, how I'm doing and against specific opponents. You know, you start to learn the way certain players play. You know, JT plays one way. Ryan plays a little differently. Jeff, completely different theory than those two. And you start to find and understand like kind of the meta with your gaming group as well. Mm-hmm. and start to learn more where with a video game i mean what it lasts a year maybe tops and you have to jump to the new video game and you have to learn new um strategies and all this other stuff and there are definitely some repeat items with video games but at the end of the day i mean i have some of my first space marines still sitting on my shelf from 20 years ago and not a lot of hobbies you can do that with and that's something that i've definitely appreciated yeah that's true i really like that uh kind of equating tabletop gaming to a sport in a sense where, you know, the more effort that you put into it, the more you get out of it. Um, this is obviously Age of Sigmar show tonight. Do you play any other tabletop games besides Sigmar? Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> really I got to say like when uh, Warhammer Fantasy kind of ended, it kind of really broadened my horizons for a lot of other miniature games. Uh, before that I had dabbled a little bit into like War Machine Hordes area, um, but I had always been an avid 40K player with the rest of the group here. Um, but then <clears throat> I, I had spent a lot of time in fantasy, got really invested in fantasy. I liked the rank and flank game. And when that kind of died out, um, I started looking for new games and now I play Legion. I play, uh, Conquest. I play, uh, Age of Sigmar, 40K. I used to play some War Machine, Hordes, um, don't all for, sorts. Don't of forget games. Crisis Protocol. <laughs> and recently Marvel <laughs> Crisis Protocol. Yeah. So, And I find that um, I'm more actively engaged with purchasing new games and willing to give them a try now um, than I ever was before. And I think seeing a a pivotal game like that, like one of the pillars, if you will, when fantasy changed so drastically to the first rendition of Age of Sigmar, I think really kind of opened my horizons to say um, there are other good game companies out here providing a good service. Um, So it's really interesting to see who else jumps to those ships and who gets engaged with that or what's going to last. You know, Malifaux was a huge game right after there um, that I played for quite a bit. And then it's gone through a couple rule changes and I kind of stepped away. So So I know that a lot of us got our start in gaming, uh, playing different games. Uh, What was uh, 10-year-old Woody's game of choice before tabletop gaming? So... um, Prior to 10-year-old Woody, uh, he used to play chess a lot with his dad and work on strategy and things like that, and risk was a big deal in our, in our family. I thought you were going to say Candyland. But actually, Heroclix was kind of my gateway into the game economy, the whole system, the ecosystem, there you go, of gaming was really Heroclix, and that was, you know, I had cleared out a shed for somebody that lived in the, the park that I grew up in. And <clears throat> he gave me, you know, 20 bucks and it got, happened to be a guy that worked at a game store and he had some stuff that was sitting in his garage. That was some game store stuff, asked some questions and he started pointing out things, told me about this place. My dad took me to the fortress long, long ago. And, uh, I started buying hero clicks cause I knew people who played hero clicks. And then I started to wander through the store, saw the 40 K stuff and knew that that's the game that I needed to get into. <laughs> cool so when you're playing Heroclix, is that when you notice the might of JT? <laughs> that is where I first crossed the table of a JT. 
<laughs> How was that experience for you? Uh, like it is today. <laughs> <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> what uh, what age of Sigma Armies are you playing right now, Woody? So, <clears throat> a few years back, I was playing Iron Jaws and 100% Iron Jaws. Um, really, after a conversation with Jeff, um, I didn't realize that you guys had kind of leapt into the Age of Sigmar scene as much. Uh, I knew last you guys were really into the 40K stuff. And uh, him and I talked a little bit, and he was saying, you know, you guys were playing some Age of Sigmar. So, <clears throat> I found a deal with some Age of Sigmar stuff, some Iron Jaw stuff, out in a store in Wixom when I used to live out there. Picked that stuff up for a pretty good deal and didn't realize what I was buying. Um, <laughs> played against you guys and got raffle stopped for like a year. And then uh, near the end of the year, uh, that's when I started leaving, you know, the state and stuff like that. Uh, during that period of time, though, I picked up uh, some goblins. Uh, so now I have like a thousand point night goblin army that was going to be an Adepticon team ad. Uh, I have a thousand points of Savage Orcs, probably like 4K worth of Iron Jaw stuff, um, and intermittent little uh, models. But the most recent kind of add on in this year's project for me is uh, a KO army, but it's uh, heavily converted. I was going to say, army. it's not just a KO army. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it is a Sky Rats army. Okay. So, so are you using the Skaven models to represent KO? Yeah, so a little bit of a lot of things, actually. Um, so Mantic had a couple really cool, like, baseline miniatures to take kind of the core from, um, uh, from their Veer Mean line. Tons of Skaven models, tons of old Skaven models. Uh, back when I played Fantasy, I had a very large army, like six, 7,000 points of Skaven, so I still had bits left over from that. Um, I've used Admech bits, I've used third-party bits, Privateer Press bits, all sorts of bits. Um to kind of add into this army that is basically like a clan scryer feel to uh, a death fleet, if you will. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. the pleasure of playing it last week. Uh, still in built stages, but it looks fantastic so far. Yeah, I, I really liked the combo kit merger you did with the uh, the new Adeptus Mechanicus. Is, is the Ornithopter, is that what it's called? The new Adeptus Mechanicus yeah, the wing, Fly. The, yeah, you took the, the, wing, the Erectocopter or that's whatever. It. Yeah, you, <laughs> some weird name. Took the wings off of that and uh, slapped them onto the, the uh, Ironclad and the, the the whatever that other one is, the, the frigate. There oh, you they're go. all flying ships. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, they're all flying boats. But yeah, it looks really cool. It's a very, very um, inventive idea. Yeah, thanks. Nice. All right, well, now that you know a little bit about Woody... I think we're going to be delving into our next segment. So hang on just a second, and we'll be right back. Okay, everybody, welcome back. So we're going to start up this segment by talking to Ryan. What's cooking? Oh, well, per the usual now, if everyone hasn't quite figured out, I have zero hobby progress to uh, to update. What, no superheroes this week? No superheroes this week. I did buy uh, some more terrain. None of it's been taken out of the box yet. Uh, however, I tried something brand new yesterday for the first time. I made home fries, boys. Home fries? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, you know, fresh cut potatoes, cast iron pan, fried those things up, smoked wings. Um, that's nothing new. Those are fantastic. But the fries, though? Top notch. Did you do those on the Traeger or is that on the oven? Oh, that was or on the stove? oven. Yep, yep, okay. that was just on the oven. Uh, you can bake them as well, but I wanted to try frying them. Sure. I haven't had them like that since I was a, a kid and my mom did that. So you're going to start working at Five Guys here pretty soon? Oh, honestly, they're better than fried Five Guys, so I may. Oh, so I, you're going to give them your recipe? No, no, they're going to pay me a lot of money for that recipe. Uh, but, 
Yeah, so uh, that's that's new. That was pretty fun. That was pretty exciting. Uh, maybe I'll have some hobby stuff next week. Probably not, but we'll see. Okay. Jeremy, how about you, buddy? Uh, actually, I'm uh, chugging right along on Ryan's stuff. Uh, I actually have on my paint table right now uh, six stalkers, six of the guys with the shields. I have no idea what their names are. Uh, oh, my God. Immortus Guard. There you go. We got six Immortus Guard. Uh, and then I have the last 20 uh, Mortec Guard with spears. Uh, had to put some 40K models together last night, so I stalled out. But I only have to get down the purple and the weapons, and they'll be done. Minus spacing. Uh, should be finished by the end of the weekend, I'm hoping. Um, and then Ryan might be taking a break because I'm really itching to get at least a unit of Admech painted up so I can get my scheme down. Now, so. if you when you finish my stuff, do I get to count that from my hobby for the week or no? Uh, if you want to count looking at it in your display case because you never <laughs> play with them, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> All right, fair. But yeah, other than that, um, I'm super excited to try to get my scheme down for my Admex, so I think Ryan's going to take a break for a minute. Uh, but I actually have a full weekend off for the first time since March. All right. So I'm hoping to get it quite a bit done because the wife won't be home either because I... I don't have to work, but she has to. So. Yeah, I saw on Facebook 19 days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's, she's uh, super excited. But, yeah, so that's about it. Uh, as far as on the grill, nothing nothing important. Basic bitching it still. Uh, did a lot of chicken. Uh, just the, the fun stuff that I've been told this week that's not photographic. So, <laughs> Listen, okay, I already made the comparison. So Jeff and I, we uh, take a lot of pictures of our meat and send it to the group. And Jerry made the comment that he's tired of seeing pulled pork, ribs, and brisket. Well, I told them, I said, an Instagram model, they're going to put out their best pictures. They don't put out the pictures of them in, uh, in sweatpants and a hoodie, okay? So that those you get those pictures because those are our best pictures. Chicken breast, kind of boring. Chicken wings, okay, I might send out some chicken wings. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. It'll be a little still tease. Still pretty boring. Yeah, but still pretty boring. It's not the big, sexy meat that takes, you know, 12 to 16 hours to cook. Not so. much bark on the chicken wing. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like you might have to start garnishing up and uh, spicing these video, uh, photos up for me, though. <laughs> if you're going to compare them to instant models, I need to get a little action well, out of this. Again, OnlyFans, you're going to have to pay for it, sir. Oh, well, that's unfortunate because I don't know where it happened. <laughs> uh, what about you, Woody? What are you working on? Uh, well, as uh, it was kind of introduced a little bit earlier, we're all playing this Marvel Crisis game, or at least three of the four of us here are playing it, um, <clears throat> and I'm trying to take a little unique uh, view at the painting strategy right now. Um, Ooh, so what are you doing? I'm trying to paint them up more like comic style. Love it. So a lot more inks, a lot more fine line, uh, detail lining and things like that. Like um, the big black lines and the colors in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's awesome. Um, very drastic, and uh, there are changes, and also the, the whole painting strategy seems to start like uh, mid-tone rather than starting like dark to light or, okay. or light and then shading down. Um, you start kind of uh, already on your highlight color, and then you highlight up a little bit, and then you go through black line everything, and like uh, you do like a thirty percent black out ink. And I uh, started working on Vision. He's three quarters of the way done. He's looking pretty sweet. So don't show Jeff it because Jeff thinks that Vision is just a stupid looking model with a red face. He was a stupid looking model with a red face. <laughs> it's Vision. You can't no, change it. He's I, got red skin. I don't think that it is. Jeff is definitely anti superhero though. So <laughs> I'm just not impressed. Whatever, I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I thought it would be fitting for this um, <clears throat> genre, right? So because it's a comic game, absolutely. Like is this something you're working on on your own, trying to figure out, or is there guides that you've been watching? So uh, I want to say that the YouTube 
channel that I watched was like Epic Duck Studios. So tried to take some inspiration. That's he an did. amazing name. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's super. It seems like a super nice guy. Um, so watching him a little bit on a couple of the models to kind of get the cues of what he does for his styling and then trying to adapt it to some of my own figures because he only has a few that are up okay. there. Nice. Um, yeah, and then there may be... I'm, I've always been a fan of Tau. I think you guys remember I've played Tau a couple times now. Um, so I may introduce that type of paint scheme into some Tau stuff. I think that would fit a very anime style. Yeah, that would be very anime. That is pretty cool. So if, idea. I, can, so if I can pull it up from Marvel Crisis, then uh, you guys may see it on the 40K table. Awesome. Jeff, you had a busy week? I have had a busy week. Yeah, I've uh, been still cranking away at the Sisters of Battle. Uh, I've made some very good progress. I actually wrapped up a a good amount of models this week. I wrapped up a a Retributor Squad, uh, and and then also a bunch of, uh, like, one-off characters. Okay. uh, The Dialogus, the Hospitaller, a Cannoness. I finished up St. Celestine and her two Gemini. And then I also got my Penitent Engines based, so they are officially Wrecking Face now instead of just kind of Wrecking Face. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a very, very productive week. I'm good. very happy with how they came out. They'll look good on the tabletop. Not going to win any painting contests, but but they'll look good moving across the terrain on the table. That's what you're going for, right? We learned that last week. Yep, that's what I'm going for. That's, that's the goal of this <laughs> army. They look great so far. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, after this, I'm going to be busting out an Archeon model. Ooh. Not mine, which is very rare for me to do a model that I don't own. So a, a friend of mine wanted to get it done, and I offered to paint it up because I've always wanted to paint one. So that'll be... So a special favor is Josh doing for you. <laughs> Just calling him out. <laughs> um, you, you know, his wife listens to the show, so it might be a good idea just to kind of skip over that question. <laughs> No, that's, uh, that's awesome. He'll be stoked about that. And it's a win for both of you. You get to paint something you want to paint, and he gets um, a good, great-looking model that you know he might not have time to paint anytime I, soon. I agree. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I as I talked about last episode, I just took that, that uh, painting class with Vince Venturella, and some of the things I picked up in that class is definitely going on to Archeon. Good. I'm glad he found you to do it, because uh, somebody else that we know asked me to paint an Archeon and then uh, got bored playing that army and decided to sell it on eBay before asking if I wanted it. Yeah, so, right. Uh, definitely not painting another one. Yeah, and, one, and, one was plenty. And that was also probably one of the, your top five models you've painted. Uh, yeah, it's it pretty up good. There. Yeah, it's, I actually put some pictures up on Instagram uh, today, our Instagram. So if you guys want to check it out, uh, we'll talk about how to find us on social media later on in the show. Great. Well, hey, guys, that was a good segment. Thanks for uh, talking about what you're working on this week and what's cooking. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. Welcome back, everybody. Time for some Echoes of the Warp. In this segment, we talk about some upcoming news and rumors and what we're excited about what's coming down the pipe. So why don't you start us off, JT? What do you think? Uh, well, on Sunday, GW actually said that they're going to have a reveal show uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, we're recording on Friday before the weekend here. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about what we think might be revealed tomorrow, uh, what we hope, uh, all our hopes and dreams. Um, they, flying, flying Carnifexes. Uh, I think that one already got debunked. For anyone that has not seen the Flying Carnifex data sheet, please check it out and take uh, close notice to the Devourer, which is the last weapon option on the sheet. And I hear that, it's super strong. It is. It's super strong. Uh, and that'll tell you if, you if they think it's real or not. 
Uh, but yeah, as far as reveals tomorrow, uh, they're doing all the game systems, I think, for the most part. Yeah, there's um, like eight of them on there. The 40K side, I think they'll probably just see more of the Space Marine Necron stuff that's coming out. I don't see them revealing anything new. Yeah, that's my guess. Um, although I am kind of thinking that maybe Tyranids are on the horizon because they're showing uh, some repackaged stuff. Possibly, yeah, or has yeah, it all been things. debunked? Uh, no... I feel the, like the Carnifex seems somewhat real because otherwise that would have taken a lot of effort because with the pictures of the weapons and everything else. Yeah, and I feel like there's another one that got revealed, or am I mistaken? Uh, I don't think so. No, okay. I, I, there's been a couple of rumors about Tyranids, um, but I they were the one of the first editions to get a Codex back in eighth when it first dropped. Yeah, and once they start reboxing stuff, you know that your Codex is shortly Correct. behind. So I'm hoping. So. I mean, they're they're definitely do a Codex. Uh, as far as Sigmar, um, their little teaser stuff started stuff about shadows and stuff. So I want. My dream uh, that I would like to see is the Shadow Elves finally revealed, uh, Malaria and, and what he's got going on in Ooglu. Uh That's kind of where I want to see. I, I, I'm, what I'm worried about with the Shadow Elves is, remember the three um, Dark Elves that they had for uh, for Warcry? I think that's what's Yeah, but no, that's Marathi stuff. They've already said that that's part of Marathi's uh, Witch Elves. Okay, okay. so there you go. So then. it's going to be something totally different. I'm okay. kind of hoping that maybe they... Uh, have them fall to chaos and have it be a chaos army. That'd be interesting. Because uh, they actually haven't released anything new for Sigmar for chaos. It's all just been everything that they've already had out. Kind of reboxed. Reboxed yeah. and yeah. Re- rethought point. With, uh, point. with the Wrath of the Everchosen kind of stuff. But yeah, I would definitely like to see uh, something new for chaos. And I think this is a good way for them to get into it. Uh, if they could find some way to, to have Malarian fall. Which yeah. he'd be the one, obviously. Because... He's super jealous about all the other elves. So, how far out do you think they're going to tease with models, though, when elves aren't even out entirely and giants, giants are, are still yeah. no clue when giants are coming yeah, out? Yeah, but they've already revealed the giants, haven't they? So they can't really reveal them again. Yeah, they can't True. reveal they them They again. might give us a release date, which would be awesome. But well, I mean, that could be the news tomorrow is to show them the Codex art and say, coming out, you know, November. Well, that'd be super disappointing. Well, that would That's be a huge disappointment. <laughs> we've been disappointed what a, by what a flop that would before. be. Because I'm pretty sure we've got elves in September is what they've said. Um, and then we've got Necrons and Space Marines in October. So my guess will probably be Giants in November, uh, Christmas boxes in December. Uh, and then and that'll be it until the first of the year. I can't wait for the Christmas boxes. The Christmas yeah. boxes are always amazing. I love deals. those things, yeah. It's always a good time. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping there's a Lumineth box. Yeah, definitely time for uh, starting new armies. <laughs> Right. Or at least the thinking about it. It would combo really well with my getting started Lumineth box I picked up. Uh, excited to see Warcry models just because they always look cool. I know we started playing around here, but with uh, the whole Pantavix stuff going on, we kind of faded on it. Uh, the, all the models are always incredible. Yeah, so they do look really good. Excited to see what they're going to come out with them because they've already revealed the Marathi stuff coming out, which I think was for Warcry. Yeah, it's the, the three characters, the... The girl with like the globe face. That's not for Shade Spire, right? No, no, okay. it's Warcry. Yeah, yeah. So, so they revealed that stuff. So I'm kind of excited to see what they, what else they have in store. I really wish those Warcry bands were better in the Slaves to Darkness book, right? Because those models are so freaking incredible. And it's not just theirs. It's it's really it's all the armies. They are just not good in Age of Sigmar. Yeah, they yeah, can say the, the same thing. Part, you can say say that about the Underworld stuff. They oh, all look incredible too. And very true on the Underworld. But stuff. But even then, like the Underworlds, I almost just think it's uh, it's separate models. It's to similar units that are already in the game, whereas the Warcry stuff is it's completely new things. Good point. And yeah, because the yeah the Nurgle stuff that they just came out with the little sorcerer chick with the two Blight King bodyguards was actually a good buy before the Balta or the General Sambo came out uh, because it was pretty much the same price as the sorcerer, 
and then two individual Blight Kings. So it was actually good value. But now that they dropped the points on Blight Kings, it's not even a contest. <laughs> so you go back to seeing that model is uh, coming in as a sorcerer generic. So unfortunately. <laughs> uh, what about you? What are, what are you excited to see? Or hoping to see. Or hoping to see. Yeah, correct. Um, <clears throat> as as much of a letdown as it would be, Giants would be sweet to actually get some dates um, associated with them. Um, but really, I, I kind of live vicariously through you guys. Uh, usually I find out a lot about a lot of the updates because they play so many different games. Like GW updates are coming, I found out tonight. You know, So <laughs> I'm, I'm super stoked to see anything just about. Um, and uh, when it comes to like rumors and stuff like that, that's usually, you guys are usually the ones I get it through. So I'm happy to see anything new. Um, I, I was a big fan of seeing just new aspect warriors and things like that. So um, from the uh, Howling Banshees previously, right? So any new models, any new sculpts, I'm excited to see. If it's brand new stuff, I'm honestly a little bit less inclined to like it just because we have so many things that are so old now in 40k and age of sigmar and things i i'd like to see some new plastic sculpts or some stuff so you'd rather see units get updated rather than brand new things come out yeah myself like uh, in my own opinion 40k is huge there's so many units and the armies are so big and if you look at age of sigmar it's a little more finite in the amount of what you have um, so if it's going to be a 40k release stuff, I like seeing new plastics for old stats and units that we all know and love. When it comes to Age of Sigmar, like a new book is sweet because there's not as many factions. It doesn't feel like the, the lines aren't as expansive. Um, so sure. getting a new ally for my destruction stuff I already have is sweet. Seeing new elves, I'm always a big fan of elves anyways, so another one doesn't hurt me. Oh, that's blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> now, will you guys actually watch the reveal or just wait for the community? Oh, I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, I'll wait till they start putting this stuff up on the blog. Uh, yeah. the, the Twitch stuff is too slow. I, yeah, I've tried to watch it before, and it's, no, it's, it's painful. brutal. It's, it's brutal. Painful. I'm hoping we get some new Blood Bowl or stuff that comes out that entices Ryan so I can get him into it. Cause you that, just want those new guys. That new, that new Snotling team looks amazing. <laughs> I don't know what it would take to get me into Blood Bowl. It would have to be some uh, some pretty sweet models. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to pick up the Snotlings regardless. It's a fun-ass game. It's just yeah. you only have so many hours in the week, right? Oh, and I already have so many games. Yeah. That's the problem. Oh, what's another one, right? <laughs> what about you, Jeff? What are you excited about? Um, I'm just excited to see what the reveals are going to be for AOS. You know, the, the 40K stuff, I, I think we kind of know what we're going to see, just kind of the couple blips of the same old the same old that we've been seeing the last few weeks with Marines and, and Necrons. But, you know, AOS, I'm really hoping for something new and fresh. Um, yeah, especially since we've kind of gotten a, a drought on the AOS stuff. Well, we've definitely had a drought, yeah, for sure. And, you know, what I would really like to start seeing for, for AOS is some of the existing books getting fleshed out. You know, they've, they've done a good job of introducing some new armies to the game and stuff like that, but when you only have a few unit choices in a book, it just kind of gets a little old, and I'd like to see those ranges buffed out a little bit. Yeah, it gets stale pretty quick when everybody takes the same stuff over and over again because yeah, that's, what's, uh, that's what's good. Yeah, you know, and though they also haven't done on, like, the couple that they have gotten huge ranges for, like, you know, Stormcast Eternals, for example, they haven't, also, they haven't done a great job of updating the original units to you know, keep them as attractive options. They've kind of left those in the dust. Well, we did have one uh, new release sort of this week. Jeremy, you want to talk about the new White Dwarf? Oh, the new White Dwarf had some, uh, well, I was hoping amazing rules for the Gloom Suffite gets. A uh, little let down. 
uh, it'll be fun. I'll definitely throw on the table. Hopefully, I can get it going before the new General's Handbook comes out and makes this uh, not legal anymore. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, I mean, definitely the the Jaws of Mork. Uh, they got you know new allegiance abilities, uh, new artifacts, new command trait. Is uh, the Jaws of Mork a brand new allegiance? Yeah, it's a, it's a brand new allegiance they got. So they're gonna replace the rules in the Gloom Spike gets Battle Tome with these uh, allegiance abilities. Like they get to re-roll their roll that determines how far they move, which used to be a battalion uh, bonus, but now it's just part of the army, uh, which is cool. That's probably about the best thing that they get. Uh, the artifact and command trait that they make you take a little less uh, good, let let leaves you wanting more, especially since. Uh, you want to make, you know, like a Mangler Squig your general and fight another day is an excellent uh, command trait, but, you know, you get stuck with uh, a command trait that lets you reroll battle shocks when they're battle shock four. <laughs> like, yeah, not going to do a lot of good. You're pretty much not going to, yeah, you're going to spend a command point half the time to make them stay on the board anyway. So, <laughs> that's terrible. And then the artifact of power is super limiting. Uh, you get to pick a hero within three inches of the bear. And then uh, until your next hero phase, you add one to hit rolls for attacks made of melee weapons by the bear that target that hero. Your characters already aren't good enough uh, to fight another character head-on, so getting one extra bonus to your hit roll means you're going to probably hit a decent character on threes instead of fours, but half of them only have damage one anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he'll probably get smacked right back in the face uh, if you get your characters that close to him. So is this more just kind of fun if you love squigs rather than actual? Yeah, it gives you a way to, to play the squigs more competitively. Um, I mean the uh, they updated the Bad Moon Trine War Scroll, which I don't think they've ever done in a White Dwarf. Uh, they actually made it so that you know how you used to get a unit of Grots back on a four up, you get a unit of squigs back on a four up, uh, which you know definitely makes it interesting. Uh, I mean, you can get a unit of squig herds, squig hoppers, or point grab bounders. So you run a big unit of fifteen, you're gonna get eight back. So, I mean, that's definitely not terrible. Yeah, there's a lot of value there. Yeah, especially if, you know, they, they charge something. They usually kill what they charged with the more wound bounce and the bazillion attacks that a unit of 30 or 15 can get. Um, and then they get countercharged, and they're not so good when they don't charge. So they usually get wiped out, or they usually lose a bunch of guys and then run away from Battleshock is what happens. Hey, but now you can re-roll it. Oh, yeah, because that'll definitely work. But yeah, definitely need to keep a hero close to them. Uh, and then they got a couple new battalions. Uh, they're okay. Uh, they add one to the damage characteristic of the gobs, so it's like the, the mouth attacks on all the squigs, uh, which has got definite value, but the problem is, is it only works when you charge with them, and they're already good on the charge. Uh, they needed something to help them stick when they got countercharged, um, and then you know, you're, you're basing your whole strategy around a unit that has random movement as well. Uh, so it's not something that's going to see tournament play, I don't think. Uh, but I'm super excited still. Uh, so do you have the models to make this happen? Uh, yeah, so I already have 15 point It's painted up. I have like another 20 on sprue still. Okay. Uh, I would just have to pick up some more squig herds to fill my battle line to keep it themey. So I keep the grots out of it. Um, and I do have a mangler squig. So I'd probably pick up a couple more of those. Uh, like I said, uh, something I'd like to get on the table. Uh, we'll just see if time is on my side before sure. the new General's Handbook sure. comes out so I can get it on the table when it's still legal. And the Mangler Squig's that giant, the, the giant. Yeah, the one that's okay. got two, uh, two squigs. Yeah, that guy's pretty sweet. That's a yeah, great definitely, model. Definitely cool, yeah. yeah. Super cool model. 
Yep, you can run them as a character, and you can run them as a normal. And a lot of the uh, uh, battalions actually have it, so you have to run the non-character one. So I would definitely pick another one up so I could run the non-character Mangler Twig. Very cool. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, definitely, you know, got the juices flowing for the gits again because uh, the list I was running isn't valid anymore. So Why isn't it valid? Uh, because I was running an endless spell list for my gits, oh, okay. and I can only take three now. So how many were you taking I, I before? I was taking taking four, so it wasn't oh, not too bad. bad. Not too but bad. But the problem is, is there's no real uh, play with the points to get them back to where they losing the end of the spell is more value than adding more gets units. Sure. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. So, but yeah, we'll see. You're, uh, you're gonna get rid of the the spider endless spell, right? Oh no, that's what I'm keeping. <laughs> it'll, probably, it'll actually probably be the moon. Which has a lot of value, unfortunately. I but hate that moon, too. Yeah, the moon's so good just because it moves so far and does mortal wounds. But uh, it's probably the, the least important out of the four that I run. Sure, it's tough choices to make. I, I was running into the same problem with that with that new rule with my Cities of, Cities of Sigmar list. Yeah, definitely a, a big hit. So, But they're on the back burner anyways, uh, as we'll talk later in the episode. Uh, I'm actually working more towards getting uh, some Nurgle stuff on the table. Awesome. All right, well, I think that covers the Echoes of the Warp. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a minute. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. So now we're going to dig into one of the main topics of our episode here. We're going to be talking about what it takes to be a serious tournament player. So tournaments is something that I've really come to enjoy as part of my gaming hobby. It's something that I, I get a lot out of. I en- enjoy the travel. I enjoy the, the games, the matchups. And it's just something that I find really re- rewarding. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Jeremy, JT? Yeah, it's definitely rewarding, especially when you put all the time and effort into building your army and getting it ready and painting and taking it to the main event and throwing it down on the table and having everybody look at it and give you compliments. And, uh, and then when you play your games and you realize that, oh, well, look at all this prep that I did. It actually made a difference that I knew what to do in this matchup in certain situations. Uh, it's just, yeah, like Jeff said, it's super rewarding uh, to just have that experience, and it's something that I enjoy uh, doing because, you know, playing the games Friday nights is, is fun, uh, but actually having something to build towards uh, just elevates the experience for me. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Uh, kind of like what Woody said earlier with comparing this to a sport and training and all the time and effort you put into it. Um, we put a lot of time and effort into our armies and our games. And when you play, I want to do well. You know, like you said, on a Friday night, it's one thing to have fun with your friends or a, a local tournament. But if you're spending all this time and all this money and traveling somewhere to play into a tournament, I mean, you want to do well. And, and so I, I like that aspect of tournaments. Um, it's kind of like you said, it's rewarding. Um, yeah, I just like to see where I stack up against the people in the in the area, especially that you know come travel these tournaments as well, and they put the, all that time and effort in as well. I uh, just want to you know measure where where I'm at. Yeah, there's definitely a mutual respect that you get there as well. Yeah, you know when you when you've really you know putting your heart and soul into your army to get it to look you know impressive mm-hmm. on the tabletop. It's always super rewarding to see the person across from you who put in that same amount of effort. And I get a lot of enjoyment out of my games from, from that experience. Absolutely, yeah. What do you, how about you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think it's incredibly rewarding uh, to play in a tournament, even if you do middle of the pack or even in the bottom of the pack. You know, it's the lessons learned that you take from that. But uh, 
I think, um, <clears throat> you know, I've played with a lot of different gaming groups over the years, and the thing that um, arcs back to, like, our old Fortress days and 40K days and now into AOS and something that I enjoy with our gaming group to, to, uh, in general is how we analyze and pick apart our games on our Friday nights as well. Um, so I would have made this decision or, hey, what is the most competitive decision to make or what would you have done or what should you have done? And, and picking apart our games, I think those sessions building up to a tournament make tournaments all that more enjoyable because you can remember back and saying like, okay, Ryan and I played off against this matchup specifically and this is the right choice to make. Yeah, there's a cerebralness to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that leads into what I think is one of the most important things about um, uh, preparing for a tournament, and that is getting games in. Mm -hmm. And not just learning your army, but your opponent's army. I think we're fortunate in our gaming group that we have a wide variety of armies, and I'd say more top-tier armies. Uh, so, you know, in, in a couple weeks span, you can get five, six games in against the top five or six armies in the game. And that is massively beneficial that you know how to play against them because you're going to see those meta armies at tournaments. Absolutely. You, you definitely need to get your games into it. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I go to tournaments and I see people flipping through their books and looking through the app to see what their units hit on and what their units wound on and what their spells do. And, and not, not special rules, just simple things yeah. like, hey, I hit on a three and I wound on a three. Yeah, those are things that you should, should probably go into your tournament knowing because if you go into your tournament knowing that stuff and not having to look at your book, it means that you have more time and you know what your stuff does. So when you sit down and look at your opponent's list, you know that this unit can deal with this unit and this unit can mitigate the damage done by this unit and that kind of stuff. It just opens it up so that you don't have to worry about what your stuff does. So you can worry more about what your opponent's stuff does. Oh, that, that's a huge, huge, huge thing. You know, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to know your army inside and out. Because every second that you spend looking at your own rules during a tournament game, that's that many seconds left less that you're worrying about what your opponent is up to. Yep. Now, see, it's one of the things I run into all the time where people ask, they're like, hey, you know, I, I know you're good at these games and that kind of stuff, and how can I be a better player? And it'll be from people that I see when I play against them that they're looking through their own rules. And that's the first thing that I point out. It's probably the one of the most important things that you just need to get your games in. Just by getting your games in, you're going to start learning that, hey, this unit hits on a four, wounds on a three with Ren one, damage two. Um, I mean, it's not super difficult to pick up on if you're serious about learning your army and getting through... Uh, the games and getting them played. Well, look, look at some of the, the tournament results last year. And, uh, oh, God, the one guy that was crushing it with the Phoenix Guard list with mm -hmm. the Phoenixes, right? You saw no other armies like that anywhere in any of the tournaments, the big tournaments, yet he was crushing it. And that's because that guy has probably played hundreds of games with that army. Absolutely. And if you have that many games under your belt with one army, you can take a mediocre army and, and make it the next level. C completely true. Well, let's go into some fantasy land scenario here real quick. Um, so let's pretend that COVID doesn't exist and we have the Michigan GT coming up in a couple of months. And let's pretend, Ryan, that you're going to go to the Michigan GT with a new army. Okay. What's your first step of getting this new army ready for the Michigan GT? Well, the first thing I want to start doing is start thinking about list construction. Uh, when I think of list construction, I think about, hey, what am I going to go against in the meta? Uh, I think about what are my most efficient units. Um, you know, a lot of times there's cool units or fun units or uh, units that, you know, you really, really like or you already own, but you got to get that stuff and just throw it away when you're talking about a tournament. So if you're going to plan on taking a new army to the event, how are you basing your decision on what army to take? Uh, that one you can kind of do on your own. I mean, again, if you want to play 
kind of more of a middle of the, the road army, you better get your games in to get really, really good with it. Um, otherwise, you know, the, the Age of Sigmar app, Azir, is fantastic. When a new new book comes out, you can look at the units, and just by looking at their, their war scroll, you can kind of tell, hey, you know what, this is pretty legit. Um, another way to do it is follow tournaments. See what armies are doing well in tournaments. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think if you're looking to be highly competitive, you're not going to be able to just go and choose any army to play. Correct. You know, you're definitely choosing from a short list. So for me, it would be a matter of, you know, finding the, the army with the power level that I'm interested in playing at. So if I'm looking to compete at a top tier, I'm going to be looking at that top four or five army lists that are out there right now. Or army and you books. definitely want to look for something that appeals to you as well because you're yes. going to be painting this army. I was just going to say, that's, that's and, step and, two. And playing with it for at least six months. Right. Yeah, because yeah, if you're going to be putting this kind of time and effort into getting something on the table, you don't want to be flip-flopping every few months as far as what you're working on. Yeah, I definitely made that mistake with the Daughter of the Cane. But <laughs> got so many games in with them, and I, the model line's incredible, but the rules just didn't hit it for me. But that's another another story. But well, you, you do also have guys, I mean, look at Bill Souza, who makes lists of kind of things that you wouldn't expect. He goes to tournaments, and he wins with them. He definitely tends to go like against the meta. Mm-hmm. He'll do like a, a meta busting list yep. rather than, than just trying to take what's currently winning and, and roll with that. So yeah, that's what happens when you have a high IQ for the game as well. I mean, Joe Schmo down the street wouldn't be able to pick up a list like that. Yes. Oh, so, no way. But yeah, I mean, that just comes with it. And I'm sure he gets his games in and makes sure that he practices and, and stuff works the way he wants it to and just not in his head. But Yeah, he definitely practices. Uh, but going back to, so... As, as you're doing all this, so you pick your army, you start uh, coming up with your initial list. Um, you know, one thing that you can kind of do to help yourself out is there's core units in that list that you know, no matter how many times you change it, they're going to be in your list. So if you're playing uh, uh, Legions of the Gash, I'll just throw that one out there. It's a little bit older. You know that you're going to have the Gash in your list. So you can paint him first. So you can still progress with your painting as you're tweaking your list. So that way you're not painting a whole unit that... After a couple games with you, like, man, this unit sucks. I don't want to play with these guys anymore. I need something else in there. Sure. So kind of be smart about it and paint, you know, whether it's a battle line you know you're taking or a couple heroes that you know you're taking. So that way you can get started with your painting priorities. So when you're assembling the, this initial list, this first list, are you just trying to throw in, like, the units you think look cool? Or, you know, are you, are you trying to keep it just, like, a, to a few units that you're going to be super familiar with and being able to kind of spam those units out, like spamming the best of the best? Or are you looking to just kind of, or are you rounding yourself out? Well, again, I, I think a good tournament list is kind of well-rounded. I mean, you're going to need your hammer units, you're going to need your anvil units, you're going to need your support characters. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on what army you're playing with. But what I always try to do is, is, again, you're looking at the app before you even buy any of this stuff. You're looking at the the book before you even buy any of this stuff. You can kind of tell what's good. You're like, man, that's going to be pretty sweet on paper. And that's what you start with. Yeah, and I, and I also got to say that, especially early on in, in the process, don't be afraid to swap units out. You know, you might have something that looks great on paper but isn't necessarily working great on the table. And, you know, flip-flop. Don't be afraid to proxy, yeah, pro- especially early on. Yeah, proxy. I always do a ton of proxying early. Yeah, it's definitely something you want to do before you spend the money uh, and make sure that stuff works the way you think it's going to work, uh, especially when you're familiarizing with well, yourself with the – the lists that are out there that are doing well, uh, you need to make sure that you have a plan in place with the units that you have to deal with those units that you know you're going to see on the top tables. Uh, so, I mean, it just, sometimes it takes proxying to figure out which ones you're going to do. Now, I'll echo what JT said earlier about the squigs and, you know, the random movement. 
I would try to avoid in the tournament list, avoid those random stuff. So whether it's, hey, you know, they get D3 attacks. It might look like a really good attack on paper. If they only get D3 of them, it's not that consistent. Hey, they have this sweet attack that does, you know, four or five damage each. Well, they hit on fours. That's not very consistent. Uh, you know, random move it. It's not very consistent. So a good way to start your list is don't fall in the trap of, man, this unit could be really good, you know, two out of six times or or three out of six times. Uh, you want something that's going to be good most of the time. Five, you need a five unit, out of six yeah, you need a unit that's going to be good. I would even just say four out of six games. You get lucky those two other games, or you play them uh, early matchups that you know that you aren't running into the top uh, medalists, so you have room to wiggle with it. Um, so yeah, don't don't judge a unit that that's complete garbage just because it hits on fours. I mean, some armies just don't have those options. Uh, you just got to you know use the best that you can. Uh, like pretty much gets you know the whole army hits on fours. So, but they have, you know, their, their other tricks and, and stuff to mitigate that. Yeah, yeah. They, they make you hit on fours too? No, no, they make you hit on sixes. <laughs> the, the mortals on the charge from the squigs to uh, kind of mitigate their, their attacks also. Yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> I generally kind of approach things a little bit differently than the other three here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Uh, normally, when I'm trying to come up with like competitive tournament lists and things like that, absolutely games in, things like that, but... Uh, I usually look at kind of four factors. Um, usually it's repeatability. Like if it's good taking once, it's worth taking twice. Absolutely. Um, to get that consistency mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, you definitely see that a lot in Sigmar too. Yeah. With the you list. lose one, sure. that's okay. So we got number two. Right? Exactly. Mobility is huge. So if your army's slow, this is an objective taking game. That's mm-hmm. how you win games. Um, so mobility is always how I try to choose what factions I'm going to play. Yeah, one, one of my main points that I like to strike home is uh, you need to learn the movement phase. Uh, the movement phase is definitely the phase that wins or loses games most of the time, especially in Age of Sigmar. Uh, so you just need to familiarize with, uh, you know, making the smart decisions with movement. Uh, your stuff moves a finite amount during the game. Uh, there's a little bit of randomness with uh, the charging, uh, but you know what your unit moves. So if you've got a slow-moving unit that you know you need to hit the middle of the table, hit an objective, you don't want to stick them in the corner of the table uh, when you're deploying, uh, which is... I think the second most important phase of the game is the deployment phase. Absolutely. Uh, a Absolutely. Lot, I've seen a lot of games win or loss just in the deployment oh, phase. Oh, yeah, many, many, many games lost in the, in the deployment phase. Right. So after movement, what's your next, Woody? Um, so my third uh, focus factor for me is adaptability. Okay. So um, armies that have um, mechanics that I can either summon a unit late game is huge, or I can drop a unit in somewhere late game, huge. Or, you know, now that Big Wah exists and uh, we have... Uh, larger bulk units that Iron Jaws previously didn't really have access to um, economically. Now we can throw a 30-man unit over someplace. and You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. We have uh, ability to adapt to the battlefield, and it's not just full dedication. This is what you see. This is what you get. Um, so I think having some sort of adaptability there in your list is huge. I call those shenanigans. <laughs> Yeah, shenanigans wins games, yeah, that's for sure. Shenanigans absolutely wins games. And then uh, and my fourth factor is flair. Right, so it, it can't be just the regular. I'm throwing stuff down on this table that you've seen three other times that you've run across. Um, I go to tournaments to try to win those soft score points as well. I tend to not to toot my own horn. Tend to usually get best sportsmanship uh, in the tournaments that I go to. I usually end up in the topper tiers because it's because you're like six five, three hundred pounds. 
I mean, so who's going to vote against yeah, him? Yeah, who's going to vote against That's exactly. also a factor. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what he just likes to bring the units that confuse people because they don't know what that does. Yeah, it's, it's like, what does that do? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I like to bring some stuff that people aren't going to be used to seeing. Um, but also, those choices are usually intelligent choices. Yeah, it's not just a garbage unit because nobody uses it. Correct. I'm trying to throw some sort of curveball so when I get those mirror matches, um, as rare as they may be, I have something that they didn't plan for. Yeah, my last two major tournament armies I played with were armies that people did not face a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago, I played with Fire Slayers when they weren't popular at all. And then last year, I played with Beast of Chaos, and they've never been popular. And I found I was winning a lot of games just because people weren't familiar with what my shit did. Yeah, yeah. but then near the end of the tournament season, when people started to get familiar with it, games got a little harder, didn't they? Oh, they did. And oh, I, I took a points hit, too, You know, which that didn't help me out any either. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> being able to, to field things that people aren't used to is, is always going to be great. And back to, to Harrow on uh, JT's point of when you're playing in the mid-tiers in your first couple rounds, if your draws are lucky, um, you know, you're going to get people that are focused on trying to learn what their stuff does or they're double-checking yeah. what their stats do. And when you know your units in and out, like we've said, from repeating games, those weird tweaky units or that little adaptability – that's all the difference from crushing somebody or, or getting close to losing, you know? Yeah, if, if you're interested in, in doing well in the tournament scene, the single thing that you can do to make the biggest difference in, in how your performance is is play games and know your stuff. All right, so you dialed in your list. You got all your tweaks. You got your painting up. It's, it's going well. You know what the meta is. You've gotten a lot of games against somebody else. How important are the missions, Jeff? Uh, the missions are are pretty important to, to to know them ahead of time. Yeah, I should say. well, you know, it's Age of Sigmar, so there's not going to be a massive variance between the missions. They're all pretty much kind of the same. I mean, there's small little tweaks. I think if you're getting your general games in, if you're just getting game after game after game in, you're going to pretty much know how to play the missions. Um, that yeah, being, but if you're uh, lucky enough to have a mission pack that has the missions in it. Uh, that's always a bonus to make sure that you have the units that you need. Absolutely. To correctly play the missions. Like if, hey, half the missions are hero missions, I better have good heroes. Or if it's the battle line missions, you better have a decent battle line that can take the objectives and sit there and hold. That's a good point. You know, same thing if you have a couple of the random missions, whether then, uh, do they even have the shifting objective anymore? Is that gone from the JHP? No, I think that one's still it's in relocation. Still in there. Relocation okay. orb is gone. So real, okay. So you still have that. You still have Star Strike. Um, you know, th- that's when goes uh, mobility comes back into play. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you can get the mission pack ahead of time, it's it's huge. Granted, though, the only problem with that is a lot of times mission packs, you don't have a ton of time uh, before the event when it's released. So your your list is probably yeah, almost dialed in. You've got a pretty painting. set, yeah. which is back to my kind of just play a lot of games. and mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, but don't be afraid to, to change your list if you need to Correct. at that point. If your list is totally garbage at three of the missions... You just need to sit down and look at it. Hopefully you're a fast painter. (laughs) That or hire it out, right? But uh, (laughs) pay attention to the secondaries. That's a very, very easy way to to miss out on easy points to get. Uh, Agreed, especially with the new secondaries in this year's General's Handbook. Uh, That's one of the things that I think as a group that we really need to focus on this year is is playing these secondaries because I think they're going to start popping up as a major factor in a lot of the different events. Didn't you have a tournament a little while back where you didn't get, you missed like a point or two a game and it puts you out of the podium? 
Yeah, what, that what was, was your that was two Adepticons ago. Okay, what happened? Uh, in game one, there was a two-point secondary objective where you needed to be on like the far edge of the board to, to get the point. And I was playing Fire Slayers, and they just aren't fast enough mm-hmm. to even try to bother with that. So I basically swallowed the two points, knowing that I, I couldn't accomplish that and win the game. Mm-hmm. So I chose to win the game instead and gave up the two points. And then I ended up just chasing the, the leader, you know, the entire event. And I ended up finishing second, which is very, very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, but I would have liked the opportunity for one more round. Yeah. Yeah, it hurt us in both the team tournaments last year in Adepticon and the year before as well, where we missed a point. Just not maxing out on all which, secondaries. Yeah, which we ended up the difference. We ended up taking what well, was a best order or something the year or two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. And then we missed out on anything last year, but barely, barely. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we missed by like a point. Yeah, we left a point on the table. Yeah, but I mean, that was a game where we couldn't if we tried. I think yeah, we needed to win a priority. Absolutely, or something, you know, so. and you know, not to brag or anything, but I. Jeremy and I are undefeated the last two years in the team tournament. We have we've yet to lose a game in the team tournament, and uh, we took best order the first year, and then last year we we just missed taking. taking well, best we caps. ended up winning like three awards yeah, that right. year, but they all got taken away from us, and we looked like idiots. So we were stripped. Yeah, you know, they were just like they just wanted to give us something. So army painting, how uh, how important is it? Yeah, army painting is very important. Uh, this is something that that I kind of had a. Uh, come to God moment on uh, God, it must've been 15 years ago now. Okay. I was playing 40 K pretty competitive, competitively at the time. And I was finding that I was leaving some points on the table with the appearance, you know, I'm, I'm going over my end results and thinking, well, what, what can I do to get every possible point that I can? And one of the, one of the areas that I noticed that I was actually leaving points on the table was my army appearance. I was I was looking at it going, okay, well, if I put a little bit more time into some highlighting, into some basing, into this and that, I can start picking up 10, 15 points as far as my overall score was concerned. And you don't have to be an incredible painter either. Uh, all these mission packs that are coming out now actually have the painting rubric that all the judges are supposed to be using. Yeah, you just got to have to do is check, check the, the boxes. Box, check the yeah. boxes. You yeah. don't have to be, you know, golden demon level. You just need to go through and... Hey, I need three items on my bases to get these basing points. Basing is is such an easy way to get points that people miss out on, Absolutely. especially with the new materials that Game Wars, Games Workshop has with the different paints. Mm-hmm. Like you just paint your base yeah. and then paint the lip around it, put a little bit of a yeah, flock on it, put some tufts on it. Tufts, I mean, yeah, and you're done. And then put some effort into your display board. Yep. A, a lot display of display board's big. A lot of events now are giving bonus points for that. And, and again, it doesn't have to be something. Fancy or incredible. No. Just get your base, you know, 10 points for, for what it is. That's yeah, 10 points and, you leave. And have it, put some effort into it to make it match mm-hmm. your army. You know, if it matches your army and it looks decent, you're going to get points. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of it's just time and effort. You, know, you put a little time and effort in, and then you end up getting those points, and then you'll see yourself finishing a little bit higher. I think people are, are intimidated because um, they think, you know, well, I, I'm not going to win best painted, so why am I putting any effort in painting it? But again, it's your total score. So you're and, not giving away points. That's yep, why. Yep. And and really, you can you can finish a tournament four to one or four and one, but you get a good painting score. You got a chance to win it all. That's right. You know, you don't have to go five and zero. Oh. Yeah, a high paint score can make up for a you know a low win slash draw. Yeah, absolutely. It's still going to be tough to take home the grand prize yep. with a loss, but well, you, you, you can could, definitely you, finish in the top five. Yep, or finish you know a, a top faction. Sure. As well. I mean, well, let's you know, take, most top fashions go army or, uh, you know, 
battle points, straight battle points. They don't include the hobbies. Okay. Yeah, JT and I went up to we went up to Bruce City Bash or Bruce City Brawl, excuse me, last summer, and you know I I finished four and one. I had a loss, uh, but I finished third because I picked up a ton of appearance mm-hmm. points. You know the the judges liked how my Visa Chaos army looked, and you know the thing only one or two people went defeated on the weekend. So I was still able to rack up enough points with my soft scores on top of my, my battle scores. And yeah, who won that tournament, Jeff? I don't know. Who did win, JT? Oh, no, it was me. Spoil- oh, Spoiler hey. Alert. What do you know? Congratulations, by the way. That was oh. a worthy win. Oh, yeah, definitely. I even got to play you round four. Yeah, we did play round four. That sucked. I Yeah, I was in a good spot. <laughs> Not for too. me. But. No, I was in a good spot. There was. I had a chance. I had a chance. And then you blew it. Well, no, I think you took the, the autoplay army, and I had one you actually had to play the game with. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. No, I took Blister Skin, man. Everybody thinks that's junk. No, right. it's not junk. I can verify. It is not junk. <laughs> it's all about getting them games in, figuring out what works. All right, well, speaking of uh, Jeremy and tournaments and, and tournament prep, uh, Jeremy's actually just starting one of uh, his new tournament armies that he wants to try out. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about that. Okay, guys, welcome back. Time to go through our second main topic of the night. What we're going to be doing here is we're going to be going through a competitive list that JT has come up with. If you're interested in following along, we've uploaded the list onto our website. You can find it at ckgamingdojo.com. That's ckgamingdojo.com. So, what do you want to start us start us off in this topic here, and what are you looking to hopefully see out of JT's list? Um, well, uh, just from the, the list breakdown, kind of seeing some of the, the thought behind or the strategy behind some of the selections that he made um, with the list that he has available to him and some of the opportunities that he sees, whether it be a strength versus the meta or if he's introducing something that's uh, not really seen currently. So, JT? Yeah, what we're trying to do here is trying to come up with lists that you know either go against the meta or... Or another option. Uh, I know a lot of the lists that are out there are, are talked about over and over and over again. And so, as far as you know, what's popular and the unit choices that are being made. Uh, so, the, trying to take a different take. Uh, I'm currently working on a Nurgle list um, using the, some of the new stuff from the Wrath of Chosen Ever Chosen book that just came out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, uh, I actually went with the uh, the Drowning God, uh, or I'm sorry, Droning, the Droning Guard. I don't know why we've got it listed here. Uh, so the Droning Guard out of the Wrath of the Ever Chosen book. Uh, in the list, I actually have a Great Unclean One, a Lord of Afflictions, a Spoilpox Scrivener, a Herald of Nurgle, Festus the Leech Lord, uh, three units of Plague Bears, a unit of Plague Drones, and they're all in the Taliban of Nurgle. Um, That's, uh, it's interesting because I, I know everyone's really high on Blight Kings and their new points cost, and I hear no Blight Kings in that list. How come? Uh I was trying to go something different because uh, everybody is all on the, the uh, Blight Kings. Um, I actually like the Nurgle Demon stuff personally. I'm assuming those Plague Bearers were big blocks of Plague Bearers or at least a couple of them. Oh, uh, yeah. So I've got two units of 30 in the list and a unit of 10. Uh, the Taliban and Nurgle requires four units of either Plague Bearers, Plague Drones, um, and I think there's one other option. Uh, so in order to get the points to fit, I couldn't fit three big blocks of Plague Bearers in. Uh, so the 10-man unit is just kind of there to be there to fill the tags for the ta- uh, the battalion. You know, and another thing to, to all you listeners out there, as, as you get to know JT a little bit better and you start to hear all of his lists, one thing, that a common theme that you're going to find is 
certain things in this list that just fuck with your stuff. Yeah, I'm just definitely like the, the debuff shenanigans uh, in all my lists. Yeah, you, you really enjoy frustrating your opponent. Yeah, it's just a game on another level. You start getting them pissed off, you can... You know, get the game in in your control. As and, you start giggling at them, yep, and just play the way that you want to play. Uh, but to continue on with uh, Ryan's question, I was just trying to go in a different direction. Uh, I know everybody's making Blake clean, excuse me, Blake King lists. Uh, I just wanted to explore the the new because the Plague Bears and the Flies and the Tally Man actually got a points reduction as well. Uh, so I just wanted to go in that direction to see if I could make this work. Um, so far I've gotten one game in. I against Woody actually last week, um, and I, I won. So I might just retire it now and take the 100% win rate. <laughs> undefeated. And to just to retire it undefeated and go from there and be like, yep, this is the best Nurgle list ever. Woody, so, what did you think about his list? Well, um, first a little disclaimer. I was, again, usually behind everybody else in these updates. I was unaware that my list was 160 points um, underpointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you didn't bring your whole points along? <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I thought that his list did things that I really haven't seen or had to deal with in this game um, yet. So um, <clears throat> I thought I was bringing something out that was going to be unique and fun. And, you know, I showed you guys, like, my conversions. And I was all hot to trot about it. And then I started hearing, like, oh, yeah, everybody's going to play this army. Oh, oh people playing this army. It's like, oh, sh- shit. I was slow to the draw again. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because of KO's <clears throat> points reductions that you yeah, didn't know right. about. KO's <laughs> a popular choice. Just the, the shooting meta is all I hear about now. So yeah. it's kind of what this list is uh, built towards because uh, all the 30-man blocks of Plague Bears are actually minus two to hit against shooting and minus one in close combat. Now, sure. How, how, how do they get that? Uh, that's just the, the trade on their, their war scroll. As long as they're above 20, they're minus two to hit. Uh, against shooting, if they are under twenty, then they're minus one all the time. Okay. What other kind of debuffs do you have in that army? Uh, so the grand and clean one actually has the wither stave uh, as his artifact of choice. Uh, what that is is it's a big twelve inch bubble of your opponent needing to reroll sixes to hit. So annoying. Uh, super annoying, especially when you're hitting on sixes or fives. Uh, go ahead and pick those dice up and try again. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so Woody's playing KO, and I told him before we played the game, I'm like, hey, you know, all my stuff is all gonna be minus two to hit. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Uh, as soon as uh, his first shooting phase rolled through, and he killed like three plague bearers, you could see the uh, emotions drain out of his face. Yeah, yeah. So I was riding the high going into it, and you guys all buffed me up a little bit, like, oh, everybody's playing KO because it's a really sweet army. And then I got to play his answer to it, which. Uh, it seemed like a very effective answer after the first turn. Um, there were a lot of thoughts of, I don't know how I'm going to respond to this, especially after I saw him move. So, oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't yeah. know that Nurgle's the fastest army in the game? Jeez. Yeah, I, I didn't know that Woody had never played against Nurgle because I've actually been playing this army for a long time. I actually played a, a demon-centric Nurgle list when the uh, uh, Endless Spells came into the game, so Age of Sigmar uh, 2.0. Um, and then... I also played uh, Blight King heavy lists leading up to uh, the G- Michigan GT uh, two years ago, which I actually couldn't play in because work stuff came up. Uh, so I never got to uh, throw that army on the table for a tournament, even though I put so much time into it. Um, but so, yeah, Nuriel is super fast. So I also have the uh, Doomsday Bell on the Great Unclean one, as well as the Bio Blade, so you can try to cast the spells a little better. Uh, Nuriel spells 
aren't the greatest and they have high casting values and there's so a lot of that blade allows you to take mortal wounds on yourself to give you an additional uh, yeah, plus not, one to cast not, and worse than mortal wounds because I can't even save against it I just take a wound oh you just take a wound uh, okay. but unfortunately I guess unfortunately for my opponent he just heals d3 in the hero phase so <laughs> usually I cut myself a couple times get a couple plus ones and then heal the wounds back so that's a little work around around that so uh, what was going through your mind when you made this list? I know you were excited about the, the Wrath book that came out. And so this is kind of new Nurgle, and you had played Nurgle, Nurgle in the past. Why did you make this list for a tournament? Uh, so just looking at what people are playing, there's a lot of shooting. Uh, currently going around between Seraphon and KO. Um, I think they're getting ready for the uh, big baddie Tick list coming in. Uh, Definitely try, so. Trying to, try to shoot him off the tail before he can magic you off. Uh, so I just looked at Plague Bearers. I mean, they've always been a solid battle line. I, I will uh, get in my opponent's head and say that they're trashiest because they don't kill anything. It doesn't work unless we've known them for several years now, they, and they're amazing. Because they have one attack, hit on fours, they're wounded on threes, no run, uh, just one damage, and they're on 32, so it's hard to get a lot of attacks in. Who cares? Uh, but, yeah, they just sit there on objectives and kind of flip their fingers, and if you can see them through the cloud of flies, then... Yeah. <laughs> And Age of Sigmar is an objective-based game, heavily yep. so. Yep. So if you have something that can claim objectives, you, you're ahead. Well, that's kind of why you got away from them last time, is they're kind of almost boring to play, you said. Uh, I mean, it's I say that it's the boring way to play, but I mean, that's how I play my games. Uh, my gets are the same way. They massively debuff you and and take objectives. Uh, so, I, you know, I just downplay it. That's not how I like to play, but that's how you play this game, and I enjoy this game. So, uh, so what, What's your damage dealers in this uh, list? Uh there isn't a whole lot of damage dealers. I'm kind of hoping that their uh, Blades of Putrefaction can go off in fastest. <laughs> Hold on. Woody's shaking his head no like he disagrees with you. No, no, actually, I completely agree. I yeah, think I was going to say, I left like four boats on like yeah, three wounds okay. and couldn't kill him just because I ran out of bodies because okay. he shot me and took the double turn and shot me again. So yeah. um, if it wasn't for the fact that I could summon in and take his home objective for four points and then steal the uh, initiative back the following turn to score those... Uh, points over again, so he just couldn't catch me. Uh, the game probably would have been a lot closer. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah really. Think, are. Uh, oh, good. I, I think we the game that we actually played was a lot closer than it ended up showing on the on the final scores. I think uh, an initiative roll and um, a certain attack roll could have gone a little different, and it would have been my game. Um, so. Yeah, it was definitely a back-and-forth game, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so there isn't a whole lot of time. We've got the unit into six Plague Drones. Uh, if I can get Blades off with Festus, I, it's casting a seven, and there's a lot of uh, good dispelling out there now, so I, I'm not relying on it. Um, I'm really just relying on having the bodies on objectives and being able to take it. Um so, I mean, they can push out a lot of attacks, but like I said, they just don't have the red. So if I come up against something that has a good armor save, um, like this list probably wouldn't even be in my thought if Petrifex still worked the way it works. Yeah. Uh, just because that would just be an auto loss. Uh, but at this point, if people move away from Petrifex, I can actually make them worse than me uh, as far as battle line with their Mortec Guard uh, because part of the Droning Guard, uh, I actually... Uh, get to reduce the Ren by one in close combat with my Nurgle an, Demon units. Is that just an ability? <clears throat> Excuse me. Like yeah, that's, that's an, yeah, that's an ability from taking the Droning Guard. That's wow. uh, what all the demons of Nurgle get uh, that for being part of this, this uh, whatever you want to call it, city. That's really good. Yeah, so I can actually make them so they, they are Ren zero against me. Uh, they're going to be minus one to hit. Um, and then if I can get favorite Poxes off, which I've got a good chance with the Greater Clean one because... Uh, is that a spell? 
Yeah, because Osiarch isn't really great in the magic phase. So I should be able to get that spell off. And if I'm fighting a 30-man unit against his 20-man unit of Martek, if I can get Fair Foxes off, they're going to be... Um, Refresh me, Ryan. They hit on they hit on threes, wound on fours, right? Yeah. So I more tech guard, yes. Yeah. So I can make you actually minus one to hit from the plague bearers to hit me on fours, and then with favorite pox, I can make you hit me on fives. Make you reroll those sixes to hit, so you aren't getting the extra attacks, um, unless you roll another six, obviously. Um, and then I also make you minus one to wound, so you'll be wounding me on wow. fives uh, with run nothing because of the droning guard. Uh, so I should be able to win the battle of attrition there. Um, I know that. They get to re-roll their saves, uh, but without being the plus one with the Petrifax now, they're only re-rolling the four-up saves. Uh, so a good chance that I can try to squeeze something through. Well, the uh, big thing is, I mean, 20 guard against 30 Plague Bearers, it sounds like that guard is so debuffed, they're not going to be doing any damage. You're not going to be doing any damage, but Mortec Guard are ran in 20-man units. You yeah, don't see 40-man, you don't see 30-man, they 20-man units of Mortec Guard, which might change now. Because they're not so resilient. In worst case scenario, you're just kind of stalemating, and mm-hmm. you have more guys. Yep. yep. So you got the objective. So I'm yeah, I'm super happy with that trade. So like I said, like this list, it wouldn't even cross my mind if they were still uh, three up save re-rolling uh, with people moving away from uh, Petrifax. They're not getting the additional ren uh, with their their points that they spend. I um, will say though, everyone's just going to switch to Praetorian Elite and still get it through Catacross. But well, it's at still least change there's it. still yeah. going to be less bodies on the board, which I'm okay yeah. with that, yeah. too. And they're not getting Nagash anymore, either. True. Well, Nagash, you didn't see them as much. You, they were solid without them. Sure. It was just but fun. And Catacross is an expensive tax to pay for that building. Yeah, he's 500-ish points. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, uh, if they still existed, then I probably wouldn't. I'd probably go on the Black King route for sure. Um, what's uh, what's your first in, first out uh, as you start to play so test So playing this games. game, I like... So the Lord of Afflictions is in the list because he has the demon keyword. Uh, so he can fly with the flies because the flies actually have a locust that gives them an extra attack for all their melee weapons when they're within uh, like seven inches of a demon hero. And uh, so he would qualify for that. So yeah, so he qualifies for that. Um, I kind of thought he was a little more heady than he is. Uh, his attack, this is the first time I've ever played with him. Uh, it was Friday night against Woody last week. Um, he just, he's underwhelming. For what he does for 190 points. What would you swap him out with then? Or what would you swap him out with? I have to look. Because uh, I actually do have... Uh, I want to say I could drop 20 points and run a Sorcerer instead of Festus. Because Festus is cool. But Festus is there for Blades. And the Sorcerer fills the same role. Um, and if I can... I have to look. I'd like to take maybe Slimex again. Um, but I have to look at his points. I am not off the top of my head know how many points he has if... I can even make that swap. Uh, just because he moves just as fast, uh, he gives me another tree for free so I can get the summoning That's battery good. going better, uh, quicker, uh, because Nurgle doesn't rely on their summoning because it's super slow, uh, but with the extra tree out there, it can get me a unit quicker than uh, before. Because um, I ran a list similar to this back in when AOS 2.0 came out, and I actually took it to Midwest Meltdown and won Best Chaos with it. Um, and I actually ran Slimex in that list. Um, is that the uh, maggot looking crawler guy or cat? Yeah, he's the guy that's yeah, got yeah. the Slimex, the like big a, slug. Like a slug. Yeah. slug. There you go. Yep. So, yeah, he brings the tree for free. So it gets the summoning going a little quicker. Um, he fills the same role. He's just, he might even be more survivable than the Lord of Afflictions. I think they have the same save and they both had discussed resilience. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, I figure I'd give it a. Couple more games, just because I bought the model. I think it's cool. The new flies are definitely their heads and above the old uh, plague drone models. Um, but yeah, so 
not totally sold on uh, on Scrivener either. I mean, he's only 90 points and he buffs Plague Bears. That's why he's there. Um, kind of wondered if maybe I wouldn't be better off with another uh, the uh, Epoch Springer, I think it's what he's called, the the Herald that casts spells. Because um, other... having eight units in your army and three of them being Plague Bears, isn't it pretty important to have a character that buffs Plague Bears? Yeah, but he just doesn't do anything on his own is the problem. So I'm spending okay. 90 points to reroll ones to hit, which... Isn't Slim- amazing. Sli- Slimex is two twenty, by the way. Okay, yeah, I could probably make that work because the lore afflictions is one ninety. I think I'm at nineteen ninety. Okay, yeah, I'm at nineteen ninety, so I have ten points there. So you got to come up with twenty more points which, somewhere. Which is fastest change to uh, sorcerers twenty okay. points. Oh, there so, you go. So yeah. I could make that swap. That might actually happen, just because I like I have Slimex painted already. So sure. that's always a bonus. <laughs> and Slimex, he always usually performs for you. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not terrible. I mean, he's, I don't think he's worth 220 points. No, I think he needs to come down. Yeah. But I, he's a demon hero. And, yeah, I think with the summoning, that, that might happen. He's kind of hard to get rid of. Yeah, he's he's a pain. I think he's... Yeah, they Salad's probably pretty close. I think he's got eight wounds as well. Um. So, yeah, it could be an even swap. Like, like I said, Festus is cool, but Festus is not needed. Uh, Festus can heal the Grand and Clean one another D3 wounds or heal himself. Uh, but he's he's no good in combat, whereas Slimax is. And it would actually, uh, looking at this, it'd re- no, nope, I'd still be at the same drops. Because I don't think Slimax is part of the Taliban either. You know, I was looking at the Droning Guard earlier when we were preparing for the show here. I hadn't really bothered looking at it until today or yesterday. And one of the things that really jumped out at me was the Rot Wing Commander ability. So what that does is it allows you to get a free 4-inch move before the game starts. So did that come into play with you choosing the Droning Guard? Uh, not really, because the 4-inch move is kind of... It's it, it already it. the fastest army in the game, remember? Well, well sure, mostly now, now you're fast, fast. Yeah, well, I took it mostly for the command ability, because the command ability is amazing. Uh, but... Yeah, the game that I played against Woody, it didn't come into play because we were actually playing the, the long ways deployment. Okay. Um, so we were super far apart, and I didn't want to move closer to him because he was just going to pick his boats up anyways. So sure. moving closer wasn't going to... I was in a good position to where he wasn't going to be able to get me anyways. Yeah, I, I definitely... I mean, even though four inches doesn't sound like a ton, I could see that coming into play, especially if you... Yeah, you're, certain missions, it'll probably hit, yeah. be really beneficial. Yeah, you're, you're rolling up on somebody, you know, they see Nurgle across the table, mm-hmm. they... A lot of people, a if they don't play them often, they're going to assume they're not very fast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you don't play them, you're going to absolutely. You see that, that big fat mm-hmm. look, great and clean one across yeah, the table. Right you go, okay, well, these guys fast. are going to crawl across the table. Yeah. I got nothing to worry about there. Yep. And then bam, they're you know right on top of you. Yeah, or I could steal an objective turn one with them too. Yeah, because uh, the other thing that this list has got going for it is actually only three drops with the uh, the battalion. Sure. Oh, nice. Um, all the demon stuff fits in it. Um, so I've just got the fastest and more of afflictions right yeah. now that don't fit in it. And what is the playground of six? Is that their movement? Uh, no, play bears move five. Five. Okay, so you figure you got five there, plus the four inch free move before the game. You're at nine. No, the only thing that can move is the the play drones. Oh, that was just the drones. Yeah, play, oh, I must have misread that. Play okay. drones move eight. So you get basically oh, it's so one year. Yeah, I thought it was the whole army. Never mind. No, yeah. I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. Yeah, the only know? thing that's affected is the play drones. Just the drones. Okay. Um, and it might only be one unit actually. Drones. Oh uh, uh, no, this is friendly. Friendly plague drones can move up to four. So if I ran multiple units. Uh, the problem is they're still overpointed. There's no way to get them battle line, is there? Uh, not them. I think you can get the the ones that the Rotbringers, the Blight Kings ride. Okay. I think if you take the Lord of uh, Lord of Afflictions, I think they become battle line. Okay. Um. Yeah. There's no way to make the the 
actual right. demon so drones. I guess it makes that one unit a little and bit I, faster, yeah. which was already quite fast as well. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's not great, but I think plague drones are still overcosted at 190. I think they need to come down. Uh, they get a lot of attacks or can get a lot of attacks, but it's a lot of low quality attacks. Um, only one of their attacks has a run. It does multiple damage. The rest are just one damage, no run. That's but one of the things when I look when I'm trying to build my competitive lists. You know, finding those weapons that have rend. Mm-hmm. If you can find something, a unit that you can you know really bring on the table in a large amount of numbers that have a good rend, I, I find those units quite valuable. Yeah, good rend is always good. But what I went with with this list, since I don't have rend, I'm going to make sure that. You either have crappier Ren <laughs> or no Ren as well, uh, and try to value out in the War of Attrition. And sure. Hopefully come out on top. What's uh, what's the weakness of this list? What are you worried about as you start playtesting? Um, right now I'm kind of concerned. Uh, the OBR matchup still is up in the air. Uh, I need to get a game against you to see how actually it plays. Um, I need to test it against Seraphon uh, just because of the magic. And Good thing I got both. Yeah, I was going to say we get a lot of games in against you. <laughs> Um, trying to think as far as, are, are you super reliant on the small characters? Not especially. Okay. Um, I mean, they're all protected. I mean, fa- everything's got a five up, uh, feel no pain except for Festus. I mean, cause that's definitely one of the things th- that I think is going to be a major issue going forward. If you're really reliant on these small characters to buff your armies out, you know, with how prevalent magic slash shooting is going to become as, you know, as the Lumineth start hitting the table, we got... You and Seraphon and Kale, how they yep, dropped exactly. where they need to go, and then exactly. shoot characters. And, and even your stupid OBR with those damn catapults, catapults buddy. Man. Oh, yeah. They can snipe out little characters. Like, yeah, the reliance on those buff pieces is definitely definitely a factor to take it in your list nowadays. Yeah. So, so yeah, like I said, like Spoilbox, the, the Scrivener, the dude with the, band, the little scroll, I mean, he buffs Plague Bears, but he's not essential. Okay. Um, Festus, he's, he can hide. He can hide behind the Great Unclean one. You can't see him. Uh, same same thing with the sorcerer. If I end up going that route, um, but losing blades, I mean, it's already something I'm not relying on anyways because it's off on a seven. So half the time it's not even going to go off anyways. Uh, I think in this new kind of environment, if you are not dedicated to magic or magic heavy, you are really going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, you'll struggle to get the spells off, so you don't rely heavily on Correct. it. You don't build your list to cast spells. Yeah, if you get it, it's a bonus, right? Yeah, just just roll high. That's all you need to do. <laughs> I no, mean, yeah, that's a good thing to, to yeah, plan, though. It's like, you can't absolutely rely on it, but if it happens, sweet. Sure, so that's good. Yep, yeah, I always have my plague bears in a position to where if I get blades off, they're going to be able to charge. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's always in the back of my head. So, I'm, since this list is kind of a, a reconstruction of your previous Nurgle list, how far away from you? How far away are you from getting this army on the table as far as as a, as a painting situation is concerned? Uh, well, actually, going through the what I had, I was actually short 10 Plague Bears for the list. Uh, so I'm going to have to end up picking up 10 more of those. Like I'm, you don't even own them? Yeah, I don't even own them. Okay. I, I own 60. Um, and are all 60 painted? Yeah, all 60 are painted. The okay. only thing that's, oh, that's not painted in this list huge, would be man. the 10 Plague Bears, the Lord of Afflictions, and uh, the Scrivener. Oh, so 12 models? Uh, yeah, 12 models. That's very doable. Um, but then I also need to get... Extra play bears to summon because I noticed that when okay. I was playing against Woody that they didn't die quick enough. So I could have had a unit of <laughs> where you just used your own. Yeah, well, I could have just had a twenty man unit in addition to what I had in the table. Right, so you're thinking so. An- another thirty plague bears? Yeah, it's going to end up being another thirty plague okay. bears. So it's still not unreasonable. Those paint up pretty quick. Yeah, and there's no tournaments coming up anytime soon. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
So we're we're time. all good for a while. So then definitely start keep working on Ryan's stuff instead of my own. Thank but you. yeah, so that's where I'm at with that as far as painting. Um, I know that we didn't really touch on what the the Taliban does, but the Taliban actually brings plague bears back. Uh, you get D three back a turn per unit. And it heals uh, and it heals, right? and, uh, yeah, it heals uh, multi wound, and, and that's your units. battalion, the Taliban. Yep, that's the battalion. So, are you require are you uh, relying upon a character to pull that off, or is that just goes off no matter what? No, goes off character yep, goes off no matter what. Uh, the second part of the battalion will never come into play because you have to run like seven units of plague bearers and plague drones, uh, which doesn't that's, fit in two thousand points, right? What's um, uh, the second artifact you took for your battalion? Uh, so I had to take uh, the Cloak of Flies. That was the required artifact okay. that you had to take for the droning guard. Uh, it's actually just a minus one to hit in melee. That's so never a bad thing. It's not a bad no. thing. So it makes the Lord of Afflictions minus one to hit. Uh, it would be a lot better if it was minus one all the time uh, with the shooting going around. <laughs> um, but you get what you get. It's, it's actually one of the better required artifacts to take. Yeah, yeah. It could be worse. Most that, of the time when I see those, it's like, all right, well, there's a waste. Yeah, but then the, the uh, command abilities excellent as well. It actually gives you plus one to your disgusting resilient saves for the plague drone unit. That's extremely valuable. Um, and it hasn't not been FAQ'd, so you can stack it. So that bumps you so, up to a four up, uh, yeah, slash five, or, uh, three up if you have if you have the command points, yeah, if you have three command points, oh. you get up to a two up. Um, I mean, that's going to be one turn where you, if you need them to live, they're yeah, going to live. They're live. But even, so instead of spending the command point, because usually the Grand and Clean one's command ability is plus one attack for a demon unit for all their melee weapons, which is what their locust does. So you can actually get plus two um, I've actually considered actually taking that command point that I usually spend on it from the Great and Clean one and just making it a four-up discussing resilient save and just shrug half the wounds every turn that they take. Um, so, so you're heading into the game with one command point from the battalion. Yep. I tried to get a second one that I could purchase, but the points just never just worked out. Just weren't there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I get the extra one for the battalion plus do you, one Do you turn. see command points being an issue for you with this army? Uh, not really. Um, I was using command points to buff the Plague Bearers up for their attacks so that I could get two attacks each because I actually got blades off and I was trying to kill Woody's um, ironclad, uh, ironclad <clears throat> uh, which I came close but didn't quite get there. Not enough. Uh, so, yeah, I spent the command point there. Um, it never came up to where I needed to use that command ability in that game because the plague drones just, they either weren't being targeted, weren't in combat. Um, and then when they finally did, he had killed the... Uh, the Lord of Afflictions that was near them anyways, so I couldn't use the command ability anymore because I didn't have any characters over there. It was close enough. Sure. Um, but yeah, I can say I, to, I can definitely see that swinging games uh, where they're sitting on maybe an objective and somebody needs to get them off, and I can just just shrug the wounds off because I'm already good at making five-up saves. Might as well make them four, <laughs> four or threes. So that was one thing that you had let me know was a, you know, a possibility going into that game with that potential. So that was absolutely like target priority. I, it was a huge factor for how I had to deal with that unit even to consider that because a two plus save is that's ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know, and when you're already trying so hard to get these hits on them and everything else. So I know I dedicated an entire half of my board to making sure I could take the character out first and then the next turn be in a good position to try to take out the unit because <clears throat> it's a, it's a huge impact and definitely something you have to consider when you play against them. And that's an awesome thing about the KO. So you have the ability to do that. Right. You know, imagine trying to do that with your Oryx. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking about, um, after our game, how I would have handled it with, like, the Iron Jaws or the Big Wah, and, uh, you know, just the ability, you know, these ranged armies, as they come up, have the ability to help respond and, and react to the things that are happening to, to try to fight against this, but, you know, some of the older armies that are charged across the board and smash some stuff, 
uh, his army has great advantages against it. Because yeah, I'm actually looking forward to playing against something that wants to fight me in combat because I know I played against Woody's KO and uh, minus one Ren in, in combat didn't come up because he doesn't have Ren to begin with and they're trashy attacks anyways in close <laughs> combat. And every ranged attack he had coming at me was at least minus one Ren, which was super frustrating that I couldn't get my armor saves like I was kind of relying on. But So yeah, super interested to see what happens in combat with the uh, that that rule that reduces run on top of the minuses to hit. Yeah, I've I've played against that rule before and it was annoying. Yeah, so. verified. So yeah, just trying to uh, try something different. Um, hoping it works out, but I can definitely see myself just going kings because it's good to be the king. Well, if nothing else, it looks interesting, and it'll lead to some fun games here over the next couple months. Yeah, definitely. i got plenty of time to, to figure out what I'm going to do for next year. Um, even if it's not this and something else new that comes out, steals my interest. Uh, it, this army is always going to be on my on my shelf, ready to play. So Sure. Well, hey, JT, thanks a lot for uh, giving us that list and letting us break it down and going over your thought process behind making it. So with that... We'll take a short break, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. Welcome back, everyone. That about wraps up the show. Um, We're going to take a couple seconds here to talk about our social media things that you can check out if you want to keep up with us. You can find us on Facebook at Cobra Kai Gaming Dojo. We have both a Facebook page and a Facebook group. So please jump on there, give us a like, join up, and join in some conversation. We're going to try to build a nice little community with people with like-minded ideas and attitudes and have a good time and uh, share ideas. If you're into Instagram, you can also find us on there at CK Gaming Dojo, and you can find us on Twitter with the same handle, CK Gaming Dojo. One last thing we want to do is that we're going to give away a small prize this week. For the person who can come up with the most interesting original name for Jeremy's list, we will send you out a small prize. So the contest will go from when you hear this until the following Friday. And then we'll go through all the different submissions, and the name we like the best will win. So if you have a cool idea for this list name, just go ahead and post it on our Facebook group and just follow it up with a pound JT Nurgle. You can also hit it up on Twitter, too. We'll find it there. Yeah, Twitter would work as well. So thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate your time, and we will see you next episode. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening.